Tea Time, where we discuss all things magical, mystical, metaphysical, and sometimes even a little mundane. I'm Kristen. And I'm Nancy. And we are back in our studio uh, as we, I, <laughs> since we're finally both vaccinated and ready to go. So welcome to better sound quality. <laughs> Today's episode is all about animal, working with animals in your pagan life. And you know the trope, you know the fairy tale stories, the witch turns you into a frog, or her cat familiar spies on you, or the frog is a prince, and the swan is a princess, kind of a thing. And the animals in fairy tales and myths and legends all point, at, point us to working with animals as part of our practice. I'm going to start off this episode with a caveat that we here at Lunar Magic Tea Time are not going to call them spirit animals or totem animals because those are closed practices that neither one of us belong to, but we will call them animal guides or animal helpers because all practices, all pagan practices that I have found use animals in some way, whether those animals are associated with a deity or associated with the work that you're doing. So working with animals is open to everyone, but working with animals in a specific way that they are spirit guides or totem animals is not. With that caveat, let's get into it. So uh, I want to address, uh, not address, but I want to give a definition for the term um, animism, which is a type of religious belief. And I touched on it in our types of faith, but it's an aspect of religious or spiritual practice that states the attribution of a soul, it gives an attribution of a soul to plants and animal objects and natural phenomena. So all animals would have souls. I personally believe all animals do have souls. It's a belief in supernatural power that organizes and animates the material universe. So just want to put that out there because a lot of this falls under animism in some way. And I think that we all kind of have, especially most of the pagans I know have a belief that other things have souls or at least other things have an energy. And we're all connected. Mm -hmm. You know, we're a scientist of the earth. Yes. The trees and then the, the energy lines that go from the earth back into nature. String theory. It's basic quantum physics string theory. Which is now gone to more science than just... I love string theory. I have loved string theory literally for decades. I, I'm all about it. Um, I don't understand it. <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking at my notes. I was like, as humans, you know, we anthropomorphize literally everything. I read a meme this week, last week, whatever, uh, where somebody was like, you can send in your Roomba to be repaired, but they will ask you on the thing, do you want a refurbished Roomba or do you want us to repair your Roomba? Because people are treating their Roombas like they're pets. <laughs> I have a Roomba, and no, I don't treat it like pet. So it was kind of spooky the way it lined up the dog fold the other it's night. It's not a pet. Or it's a... it was a ghost. So let's kick this off with, it is so good to be recording this like directly across from you. I Sorry. Know, for... I feel the energy. Um, let's kick this off with talking about familiars, because we all know witches have familiars. So let's kick this off by talking about familiars, because I think everyone knows the trope of the witch having the familiar and or the wizard having you know, whatever we all know that but not all witches work with familiars i've never had one they are traditional it's not that we know of well i, think I mean it's more an active role in your magic life yeah not just some, 
Yeah. So. They can, they can help ampli amplify good stars and garters, or they can, um, they can share energy with you. They can be protective if you do a lot of um, work with maybe more, less happy energies. A, a familiar would be great because they can be that protection. And a lot of demonology stuff, demons are terrified of cats, or they don't like cats. They can be messengers, so they can psychically connect with them and, and get messages from your deity or or share messages like yeah there's um would that be more um familiars that come in and out of your life like like the crows or something like that come in and give you a message but they're not a day-to-day the way that i have seen familiars experienced and like i said i have never had one but i do know witches that do have them a familiar is a constant companion. It isn't gonna, it's not, you're going to have the same familiar for a long time. Okay. So it used to be, or the definition used to be, that a familiar could be, could be one of the fey folk. Okay. Or, and, and if it was one of the fey folk, or as they like to, to call them, one of the cunning folk, the familiar would be out doing good work, saving babies from out of wells and delivering good messages and things like that. But if it was a witch's familiar, and this is back in the Middle Ages where witches were not, uh, a familiar was a form of a demon or a form of a devil, like a lower level, empty thing that would do baneful work. Now, and do it at the witch's bidding. So like, if you're, if you were a medieval witch and you wanted to curse somebody's milk, you could send the cat over to pee in it or something. I don't know that cats do that. I don't know what cats do. That's a lie. I have always had cats. Yeah, that was <laughs> um, But familiars do have power of their own and they are sentient, fully sentient. Like they aren't just working on animal instinct they're working on a higher level of intelligence then and this isn't i'm you know you can define your familiar if you work with one however you need to do that if they're bringing you positive energy to do your spell work and they're doing that on a regular basis that's your familiar call you can like i'm not the person who's going to tell you how to magic as we know i think that the cat that we had before was someone's familiar but he certainly wasn't mine either that or he was a stinking puka so like i've said that you can work with them to boost your power um they can bring you messages they can take messages other places they can absolutely provide protection a lot of things from the greater than just won't mess with cats certainly certain fae really don't like them Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> crunch, crunch, crunch. Is that, um, is that activity decreased? It stopped almost instantly. You would get a few stray, little, little things, but um, it generally speaking, once, once, and it wasn't even it once she once she was here, gone, nothing. Thank goodness. When you're working with them, 
and doing spell work with them. Please remember safety first. If you're a witch who uses herbs, remember certain herbs will harm your animals. Certain smokes will harm your animals. Um, and yeah, essential oils can be harmful. Fire, cats are attracted to it and like to make it bigger, I have learned. Um, <laughs> like knocking candles over bigger? Or? Knocking candles over bigger. Um, so, you know, just be really, really aware. Um, and then be sure that you give your pet, your familiar, aftercare. They've expended energy on your behalf. Make sure that they're getting lots of snuggles, um, treats, maybe downtime if they need it. Like, don't, don't overtax them. Really treat, if you're working with a familiar, treat their aftercare spell work like you treat your own. Yeah, that could be a mutual benefit mm-hmm. for the relationship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's deeper than just a pet. Um, familiars, by their very definition, are animals of this realm, of this material plane. So they're going to be of this material plane. The level and work that you do with them will probably be connected to that in some way. And they're going to be a limited-ish presence. Like you're not going to be able to necessarily take them on dream work or take them on astral work. You might be able to. I'd be really reluctant to. You can use mythical animals as your guides and as your focuses in if you want to do those types of work. And that's when we move into, move away from familiars and move more into animal guides. So first let's talk about how to find your guides. If you don't already work with animals um, or have an idea of what kind of animal you want to work with, here's some ways to find your animal helpers. Dreaming. If you dream of a specific animal, or not a specific animal, but a certain type of animal, or, you know, sure, dream of a specific animal. That's, I don't, I don't judge. Um, <laughs> but pay attention to the animals that appear in your dreams, um, particularly if they're recurring frequently, um, and in the context of, of the dream that you're having. That might provide you some insight. That might also give you a big clue that that's who you're that's what you're supposed to be working with meditation is going to work very similarly to dreams um i found when i was researching specifically researching meditations to find your animal helpers your animal guides every single one of the meditations was very similar to the meditations that i guided us through to set up the altar for our deity work yeah except that you're not setting up an altar for a deity you're setting up a space safe for an animal to come probably really similar to um, meditating and try to um, meet up with your spirit guide mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mm-hmm. it, it, it always um started talking about this episode um i saw it you know are they named uh, ravens or what i couldn't think of it but then i was just thinking of who was a baby and so the wolf run by the outside of the door and they thought they were black wolves so i was like oh, maybe it's a baby 
well, if it appears again, then we'll have a better idea. <laughs> that's that's one of the fun things about doing these episodes is we'll go, oh wait, is this activity connected to this other like Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Another way to connect with an animal helper is take a walk outside and see what what animals you see. Now, it is important to note, like if you're here where we are, if you walk outside right now, you will see a thousand and eighty four billion geese. Yes. They are not you know, like be aware of things like migration patterns and what time of year it is. If it's if it's the dead of winter and you're on a walk and you saw a bear, it's probably something you should be aware of. Stay safe. But also that bear is probably, you know, that's that's probably something to be aware of. When you were out before you accepted that you were a witch, the crows came for you constantly. Yeah, and I did. Um, the funny thing is, um, sometimes I could be very uh, not observant, and someone else told me, and I'm like, okay. She goes, haven't you noticed, like, every place we stop, they're there biting? I'm like, but okay. It also made me think of Auntie Kate's birthday pony bowl. Mm -hmm. And hummingbirds are a sign and a symbol of those who've passed on yeah. and connection to, to the afterlife. And which brings us to past connections. Do you have, did you have a favorite animal when you were younger or a favorite pet? Or there's an animal that you're drawn to and you don't really know why. Like I freaking love flamingos. Like I love real flamingos. I love fake flamingos. <laughs> I love, I love, yeah, <laughs> bring me flamingos. Um, my grandmother absolutely loved owls, but when she had the opportunity to like have one on her arm at something, she, she, she panicked and was like, oh my God, like, no, wait, what? Um, so she was drawn to the idea of owls. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny because she got bit by a koala and that was fine like whatever she got bit by a koala but an owl you know <laughs> so past connections or or is there someone in your in your life that had like my grandmother is was someone in my life so owls actually in my head still are connected to her fear is there an animal that has always frightened you but also kind of intrigued you in the same way. Like a lot of people are that, that way with snakes. No, thank you. <laughs> and like I am, I have some pretty intense uh, arachnophobia. And my reasons for having arachnophobia I mean I have always had it ever since I can remember but then I got bit by a black widow fighter 
And under no circumstances do I want to be working with spiders. No. Thank you. No, God. <laughs> like, I can't even think about spiders without my body actually having a physical reaction and just like, oh, God. No, thank you. Is there an animal that you frequently see around your house? Is there somebody is or what? Like the crows again. Is there an animal that um, maybe you were bit by once or had a negative experience with? Like, you know, look at your encounters. When you're ready to work with animal guides and animal helpers, look at all of your animal encounters that you can remember like the really, really positive ones, the really, really negative ones, and see if maybe that animal doesn't represent something that you need to work on. Zodiac. Uh, lots of associations in the Zodiac and several different Celtic methods that are open for people to look into. So like stags and otters and I forgot because I didn't write it down. Um, most Western Zodiacs have an animal with them. And there's loads and loads of great oracle deck out there that can help that are not appropriative or that are Celtic based. So just, I have a bird messenger deck and I got the bird messenger deck because my mother was <laughs> very, in, when my mother had her house, she would feed the birds twice a day, every day, no matter what. And when she was out of town, she would pay her neighbor to feed her birds. And so when we were moving my mother down here, first thing on the shopping list that she had me buy was birdsy. And, and then we just got busy and I never fed my birds because I don't have birds in my backyard. But it wasn't very long after she had passed, maybe less than two months. And I was standing at the kitchen sink and loud as clearest day I heard my mother say feed the damn birds <laughs> she gave you two months to figure it out on your own and then just like so I went out and I fed the birds and that was the only time I had ever heard her say that but when I found this uh, bird messenger deck I knew it was from her telling me to use this deck to communicate with her specifically yeah that, that totally makes sense even though we chat all the time because she's just there so how to work with animals that aren't familiars. Um, some of the ways that are going to be pretty obvious are going to be things like omens. So uh, if you see a lot of crows, there's even a poem and I, it's what, one poem is, or one crow is this, two crows is this, three crows is this. Um, six or more would be six. Yeah, six or more would be six. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In my house. Um, so frequently, if I see an animal or a bird out of place, so there are certain times of year here where I don't see crows often. I see them, but I don't see them often. If I start seeing them all of a sudden that time of year and like close to me, that's probably a pretty good sign that I need to pick up my deity practice because she likes to communicate to me with crows if i see a ladybug in the dead of winter that's probably i should look into the meaning of ladybugs in in myth and um, things like that 
Um, and animal omens, there's loads of material on the internet. It would be overwhelming to try to break down the different omens that animals and how to use them. Like the way certain birds fly has always been a Greek oracle tool or, you know, the way of where fish are popping up and or biting. So when it comes to doing omen work, you're going to have to trust your gut a lot and be willing to do some deep dive into the mythological meaning of the animals that you're seeing. A lot of symbolism and that stems from personal experiences. We build our own mythology. We create our own stories that have meaning to us and yeah and exactly and so we need to as pagans living a deep full rich pagan life examine those things and start building our own mythologies around those things basically this is where journaling becomes important you know because you can start seeing patterns too mm -hmm. you might not think there's two crows today and you might and that's a storm and there's two crows on the car and there's two crows here and two crows there and I'm just going to throw this in quickly, and it's maybe something we should pick up in a later episode. I don't know. But I have found that when I start journaling faithfully, I need to journal less and less. Because, because I see, I, m my brain begins to key itself into seeing the patterns as opposed to having to guess at them. If I've been writing faithfully every day for even just a week, and, and by faithfully I mean a page max, yeah. and literally sometimes just, I went to the store today, I bought this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Within a week, my brain is starting to pick up the patterns and noticing them better. Many, and probably even most, deities have animals that represent them or act as messengers or act as their familiars. Uh, my deity uses ravens and crows. Odin had two crow, two ravens. Crows? I forget. I'm sorry, Odin. Do not strike me down. Um, Christ used doves and lambs. Um, tons of birds. And I have a theory that there's so many birds in, in deity associated with deities because they can fly and they can fly to deliver the messages to the deities because we always tend to put our deities higher, like physically higher, like the Greek gods were on Mount Olympus and that's just a theory. I don't know. I could be wrong. I'm fine with that. I tend to see a lot of crows uh, when I haven't been doing the things I need to be doing. You can use animal parts. I, I knew no, you were going I to. Said, well, I'm not vegan, but uh, the only thing I ask if you choose to use animal parts is try to source them ethically. And even if that is you go hunt them yourself, to me that's an ethical source. I don't use, well, no, that's a lie. I do, but only if I found them. I use found animal parts. So I have some shed snake skin that we found in the garden. And I went, uh, 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 witchy, witchy work. Let's go. Um, and a wasp, a couple of wasp nests that I found. Fallen feathers. But remember that there are laws that you may need to follow. 
Um, but you can purchase a lot of them legally. You can go on and you can. Or someone leaving right next to you, sticking around in sand. Yeah, well, that's a. <laughs> I use the items in spell jars or uh, pouches or to dress my candles. I don't burn them as incense, uh, mostly because I just don't know what that's going to smell like, and I'm very sensitive to that. The first recorded divination techniques were tortoise shells that were burned and cracked and then read as omens and oracles. And was the forerunner to forerunner to the I Ching um, in China, and there's you can put sigils on your bones or yeah. I believe so. Throwing bones is an old, old, old ancient practice. Like you would save your knuckle bones from your. I don't know what people eat. I don't. I don't eat meat, so I don't know. But like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I guess pig. The pig feet. There's. Yeah, that was a flashback to my grandmother. Wow. Okay. Um, but you, you know, throwing the bones and seeing how they turn out is obviously one way, one really good way to work and integrate animals into your work. Um, meditation, drawing on a specific animal and gaining not necessarily power, but that energy. You know, bears are going to be tough and strong. And oxes are going to be stubborn and foxes are going to be wily and tricksy and playful. So meditating on the energy that you associate with that animal and using an image of that animal. So I mean, I think the point being that the animal part includes of um, Native American like using the parts of the bear or the mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and it, it goes back to animism. That animal has that. Yeah. My most intense meditation was, so I had planned, I had scheduled it. I was going to meditate to connect in a traditionally Celtic way where you go underground, you walk into the tree and the tree takes you underground and you're in a cave and you're supposed to get wisdom and connect with the earth and then da 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 da. And I did that. Uh, I went into the cave, into down uh, into the cave, and then the cave opened up into an underground lake. Mm -hmm. And there were two seals on an island in the middle of the lake. And I watched the seals for a very long time, and then in the next breath, I was a seal. And I don't mean I was imagining that I was a seal. And uh, no, in my altered state of consciousness, because that's what meditation is, mm -hmm. in my altered state of consciousness, I was 100% an eel. Uh, not an eel, a seal. And I, I wasn't even having human thoughts. I was just swimming and playing in the waves, and the water was wonderful, and... And then, and then when it was time to be done, I was back in the underground cave on the shore as a human. It was not traumatic to switch. There was no trauma other than when I finally came out of that altered state of consciousness going, 
What the flippity doodle? Yeah. <laughs> Why you're having to get the one? Because I have never. You haven't seen it. No. No, I've not not like that. No. No. And so, you know, meditation is definitely one way to connect with uh, animal helpers. Um, So there's just as many ways to use animals in your practice as there are pagans. It's just, you know, like, yeah, it's very personal. Um, And it's important that if you feel an animal is reaching out to you to be worked with or as a messenger, you know, do the work, put in the effort to find out why. Don't just make assumptions. Not every bee is, is, yeah, not every crow is a messenger of the Morgan. There's, you know, pizza. Oh, God, the cornbread. No, it wasn't. It was Mavon. Because I wrote it down. It was. They took our cornbread. They took our cornbread. Not just like a piece. No. Like little bits. Like <laughs> all the cornbread. We like. I think we each had like a bite, and then we went to yep. the walk, and we turned around, and there was like a plate of chips. Oh, there were so many. There were so many, and I mean, technically, it was supposed to be for them. That by them, I mean the deity that they. But you you know who we were working with. She does not wait. <laughs> she does not. She's she's not a patient person, and that's okay. I don't fight with my deity. And one container for her. Sometimes it, sometimes you get good stories when you're a witch and you're just out doing witchy things. It's fun. It's fun. <laughs> so let's really quickly, I just jotted down maybe 10-ish. I don't, I don't know. I lost count. Um, popular or more well-known guides or helpers, and they're kind of general meanings. Um, just to kind of give you an idea uh, what the more common thought processes are, I guess, is, yeah. So cats are very popular amongst witches. Um, cats should be. Cats are great. They're often viewed as witches familiars um, or associated with witches in some way. They're symbols of independence and strength in the magical world. They are great to call on when you need to remember your personal independence and strength. They are also representative of curiosity and affection and the supernatural and mystery and you know think of all of the things that you think of when you think of a cat dogs are seen as man's best friend and they're great to work with if you need companionship um, or are dealing with loyalty or wanting to get more loyalty in your life Um, for me they also remind me of working together as a team so loyalty bravery friends affection protection devotion Sometimes playfulness is going to depend on the breed of dog that you end up working with because every breed, like 
with cat with most of these animals if there's different breeds the different breeds are going to bring slightly different energies <laughs> right <laughs> horses are associated with many many deities and are representative of freedom of travel frequently to other planes of existence or other bits of reality however you want to put that freedom adventure um freedom is in there like six times what the heck i see what i was thinking there <laughs> uh independence uh friendship endurance uh occasionally work ethic um that kind of thing bees are also associated with a lot of deities bees are uh communication because they communicate with them with their hive sort of telepathically love. um love success wisdom hard work protection chastity wisdom wealth um it's just gonna they're also they make honey which makes mead so offerings things like that crows are associated with a great deal of deity they're magical they're fearless they're adaptable they are considered manipulative but um they're also trainable so who's manipulating like you know who's manipulating who here um wisdom and transformation dragon because you can work with mystical cre mystical magical creatures dragons are transformation defense motivation authoritative magical strength wealth obviously unicorns are associated with magic love faith vision innocence purity gentleness grace kind of pure love they're very oh i just i had the word and then i lost the word dang it amy thank you for trying to fix it snakes are found all over in mythology though and and i think that that is always such a great reference when you're doing anything pagan go back to myth snakes are considered impulsive um powerful shrewd um, they're all about transformation because they shed their skin constantly. Um, magic, frequently fear, wisdom, and healing. Um, and depending on your tradition, snakes are both good and bad, or, you know, spiders. <laughs> Patience, creativity, protection, growth aptitude because they're wonderful weavers mm -hmm. um networking balance and wisdom <laughs> yes <laughs> i am i can't even look at them i can't even look at them it's fine like I, i've said a couple of times i work closely with a couple of animals i work with seals in my meditations um, I work with, I call on crows frequently to deliver messages to my deity. And I'm more and more finding foxes popping up, which is, yeah, fox is not necessarily for me, but it is also for me. So my grandson 
is our little fox baby and our little fox three-nager now but that sense of playfulness um is something that's coming into my work and yes little dude brings it with him but um foxes were starting to pop up a little bit before we even knew she was pregnant so yeah yeah so and I think that that's we start in one place with our magic and our tools and the things that we know and then because we're actively working because that's the thing with pagan life is there's an element of active working we learn more and we grow more and we bring more tools and that's what I've got on animal and the next you know I think that's where we can start doing the dolphin and I got this thing with dolphins going from trees and and they're so smart and also water yeah you don't think but my partner like when we first started we went oh my god my kids like water oh my god it's the grandest you think it's just gonna take away from you from your joy center in your life you know i don't know you but maybe it's a client or someone in your life that you know Mm -hmm. i think the closest thing i had to a familiar was my cat tashi uh, she, we were instantly bonded, but she passed away really, really early in our relationship. So we couldn't build that relationship, but I think that we probably would have, but, and right now I'm not working. I don't have any pets. Um, I'm babysitting a tortoise. <laughs> I love him. He's hilarious, but he is not a magical being. <laughs> He, at least not for me. If he, he's just not, he's not mine to work with. Um, Question. Mm -hmm. You know, my daughter supports art. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of come in. So, something that just in the past, did you think of that more as her spirit just coming to let you know she's okay? Or was it kind of an animal guide as a message? You know, like Oreo created my house with her last weekend. So... With Oreo, because I can speak. <laughs> I love that dog. Um, Oreo. Yeah, and that's why he didn't leave. It, he didn't leave until he knew it was going to be okay. And it took him a while to be convinced it was going to be okay. He, so, and this is kind of where I'm going with an upcoming episode and I wasn't really thinking about animals when I started working on this episode uh on the neck on the one I'm working on but um you know one of the things that we do some of us pagans do is we call on ancestors and we call on you know for ancestors we can mean like our very very distant ones or our our genetic ones or um you know, very specific ones. I, yeah, I've called on, um, very specifically my mother and my grandmother. Why couldn't you call on your pets as, you know, an ancestor kind of a, kind of a vibe. Um, and Ori would definitely fall into that category cause he'd be right there to, to, yeah. I got it. I got it. I got it. Um, with party, I know I built some attachment because I had my mom's plants, and, and I collect those. But 
And I think that that was just her delivering the message because she knew you had guilt and your guilt. Yeah. Because if we're going to talk about animals and having souls, they're going to have the same level of soul as a human. And, you know, they're going to know, like she knew, party knew, your guilt was preventing you from moving forward and getting over not getting over because we don't get over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> getting over is guilt. Guilt. Yeah. Even though it was out of my hands and honestly, if I had been a mom, that's not the time. Because that was. Mom and dad fathers. Yeah. Did a horrible death and did not want to make me do what I had to do. But they made the right decision because he was, as you said, he was an unable to go up through his. Yeah. Because you said, you know. Oh, yeah. That kind of stuff to me is not a rational. Mm-hmm. Guilt. guilt is never rational no. and the people who experience guilt don't seem to be people who experience guilt that belongs to them does that make sense yeah <laughs> and that's an entirely yeah. different episode <laughs> yeah, I, I think And well, it's not because we can bring it back with uh, one of my mentors used to tell me people are in your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And that's not going to be any different. Again, if we're assigning souls, an animal is going to be in your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And so your guides are there for a reason they're there for a season or they're there with you for the lifetime your lifetime and it's up to you the practitioner yeah how you're going to use them how you're going to move forward and i love i mean like when i first started getting into the metaphysical i thought if you're going to your guide and then you research and you're like your guide that comes to you like they need you like they're going to We always do. So that was our episode. And with that, you can find us at lunarmagicteatime.com. You can email us at lunar at lunarmagicteatime.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. That's it. Um, <laughs> at Lunar Magic Tea Time. And you can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher.